And now comes time for us to reflect on this uh, theme of reconnection. There's a picture. And those of you who have been up to my cabin uh, on the Sunshine Coast, you might recognize that picture. It's a picture that's at the top of the hill. Uh, my, my cabin kind of is at the foot of the hill. And that is a winding road up the top of a hill. And uh, that gate was locked for most of the time that I've ever been at the cabin. I started going up there when I was like 16 years old. And so I never went beyond that gate. Um, my husband, whose uh, cabin, this has been in, the cabin has been in Matt's family for generations, he had no problem going past that gate. The gate was closed most of the time, and Matt, being the rule breaker that he is, would kind of just sneak around. He was undeterred by the part of the sign at one point that said, sh like, danger archery at random. Danger archery at random. That's, <laughs> uh, that did not scare Matt off. He just went in and, you know, did that. But I, I couldn't, because I'm a rule follower. Uh, but a little while ago, someone opened the gate. Now, it's a long story uh, around why the gate was closed. I'll give you the very short version. Someone, uh, I can see Josh Lapine back there. You would understand the issues of road allowance and uh, government usage of such roads, which then means that the government owns the road when they've paved it and all this kind of stuff that happens on islands and cottages. So the person who owned this land, it was private property, but it was kind of a section of private property that, connect, that had some public land on the other side. And so for a long time, this person had the gate closed for, for a very good reason. But over time, as the property passed generations, the gate was opened. And so I got to go walking down that path. And at the very end of that long path is a beautiful provincial park. It's a beach. It's the, the head of West Bay. And when that gate opened, a whole new world opened up for me. When I was allowed behind that gate, when I had an invitation, per se, because someone opened that gate that, that I was allowed to walk down, I experienced a whole new part of the island. It is now one of my most favorite walks. And so today, we're going to be talking about an image of reconnection that has to do with a wall. And when we talk about a wall, I want you to think about that gate. A real-life example of something that stands between people, that changes things when it comes down. So today, in this series that we're calling Reconnection, it's a four-week series. This is week two. We're focusing on this theme of what it means to be a reconnected people, people who are reconnected to God reconnected to one another, reconnected to creation. And uh, Rod and John are joining me in this series. Next week, you'll hear from John. The following week, you'll hear from Rod as we offer you different biblical images of what it means to be disconnected and reconnected. Now, today, you're going to be hearing um, some spiritual words you're going to be hearing the word grace a lot, and you're going to be hearing even more the word peace. 
And after a while, I think it's possible that your eyes are going to start to glaze over. Except that's, that's kind of what I'm scared of, that the theological words will start to be like, yeah, I know what grace is, and I know what peace is, and I've heard them a lot, and it's kind of boring. I'm hoping that we're going to be able to hang in together today because these words matter immensely. These words have life in them, and they are the core of the gospel. And hopefully, if I unpack them enough, you're going to be able to see not just that they're theoretical, abstract words, but that if we seek to understand them and live them, they will change everything, just like opening that gate opens up a whole new world. You with me? All right, let's go. The wall. It doesn't take us very long to have any, any images in our head. If I say, build that wall, I know who you're thinking about. Or if I talk about the Berlin Wall, you have images of that wall coming down. Walls exist, have existed in our world. Walls exist to protect. Walls exist to isolate. Walls exist for good reasons and bad reasons. The wall is something that disconnects us, or can. Now, this week, the wall image is the, is the image of disconnection, but last week, the image was of a person who was socially disconnected, somebody who is isolated. And so before I go any further into the wall image, I want to remind you of what we talked about before. And I was going to actually give you a little summary, but uh, instead, I'm going to have Matt come up and give you a review of what we talked about last week by a poem that he wrote. It's pretty cool how we did it, actually. So in this whole way of understanding reconnection, we're about to talk about the wall. We talked last week from Mark chapter 5, the image of this demon-possessed man, this socially isolated, unwell person. And uh, so to remind you of that, Matt's going to tell you what he did. All right, so I uh, heard this interview on CBC with this indigenous poet who had crafted a response to a treaty that his people had signed with the Canadian government. Um, decades and decades ago, and he crafted it by subtracting words out of the treaty to end up with his experience of the treaty spelled out in the words of the treaty. And I thought that was brilliant, and I wondered how hard it would be. So I thought, I'm going to take the scripture that Kim taught on last week, and while reflecting on it, try and do a subtraction poem. And uh, so this is uh, the response or the experience of the madman himself who was, he was cast out of his society, he was uh, alone and uh, living as a marginalized person. And when Jesus healed him, his response was, Jesus, I wanna live with you because that's where I experienced my healing. And Jesus's response was actually, the working out of your salvation will be with your people and being in a community. So you need to stay with your people. So this is my, Subtract, subtraction poem of the madman. Oh, no, go back. 
There. Yeah, we're going to read it twice. We're going to read it once. This is the message translation that I used, and then we'll all read it twice. I'll read it once this way, and, we'll, and then once as just a poem. I lived there among the broke, none strong enough to protest. I swear to God, the torments of the desperate banish them to live worse for it. What happened to the first? They were in, they were up, they demanded and wouldn't let go. Our story, as mercy began, was the talk of the town. Yeah. Should we read it one more, well, one more time just as a poem? I lived there among the broke, none strong enough to protest. I swear to God, the torments of the desperate banish them to live worse for it. What happened to the first? They were in, they were up. They demanded and wouldn't let go. Our story, as mercy began, was the talk of the town. So I, th I think I'm going to get you to do that with this week's scripture as well, <laughs> next week. Stay tuned. No pressure. No pressure. So that image of disconnection and reconnection laid alongside the image we have for us today of the wall. Walls existed not just in present day, not just in history, recent history, but walls have existed for a long time. The walls in the Apostle Paul's day mostly had to do with a wall literally that was in the Jewish temple. A wall that divided Jews and non-Jews. Jews could worship here and non-Jews were in the outer courts. But more than a physical wall, in Paul's day there was indeed a wall between Jews and non-Jews. They lived separate lives. At, at best, they lived distant from one another. At worst, they lived in hostility. And in this passage that we're looking at today, in Ephesians 2, Paul is saying that Jesus destroys that wall. Paul is saying that these two people, these two groups of people, are going to be brought together in Christ. The literal and the, and the metaphysical walls are brought down by Christ. And amidst the destruction of the wall, something new emerges. Something new is created. A new humanity, a new people in Christ. So let's, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. That's the context for the passage we'll be focusing on today. So what I'm going to do is just summarize briefly if the first half of Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 11. And I'll summarize it in one word. Grace. Grace always comes first, friends. And don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. We have to understand the nature of grace before anything else can take place. And so in this part of the letter... Paul is saying, grace 
means a gift from God. Grace, the word in Greek, is the same root word for gratitude, is the same word for gift. Grace, gratitude, gift, they're all, they're all bundled up in one another. We don't work for this. We don't work for this reconnection that's been established between us and God. We don't get it because we're nice people. We don't get it because we're not nice people. It's not about us at all. It's about God and God's overarching love and mercy for us. And Ephesians 2 verse 10 summarizes it pretty well. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. And in fact, he says that phrase twice in those, in those 11 verses. It is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, not by works, so that no one can boast. This central idea that God loves us, that God forgives us, that God gives us this gift we don't deserve, God gives us something we couldn't possibly earn, it's a familiar idea. In a way, it's mind-blowing and completely and utterly astonishing. But maybe, like me, you kind of take it for granted. Maybe, like me, you're just a little bit blind sometimes to the profound depths of the truth of the gift of grace. In my life, I think I often treat grace the way I treat a lot of gifts I receive in my life. Some might call me a, a person of privilege, and that's true given where I grew up, the kind of education I have, the kind of citizenship I have, given the fact that I'm able-bodied, that I'm, that I'm straight, None of those things can I take credit for, right? When we woke up this morning, we woke in bodies we didn't create. We breathed, we breathed in oxygen that we didn't manufacture. We opened the window to see a beautiful creation that we had nothing to do with making. We woke as citizens of Canada, and most of us didn't have to work for that either. All of it, friends, is grace. And even some of us who have accumulated wealth can say that we earned it, but on the other hand, we didn't because we were given the opportunities that come with living in Canada and having brains and having a hard work ethic and having Canadian citizenship. And I don't say any of that to make any of us feel bad or guilty, but I say it to remind us that this is all grace that this is all gift, that every morning we wake to a world that we didn't create and we receive gifts, including forgiveness, including a right standing with God, and none of us have done anything to deserve it. And in a world where we're told often, hey, you deserve it, you've earned it. Remember that grace isn't like that, and that fundamentally, there are so many parts of our lives that are grace. And when we realize that, it changes something deep inside of us, doesn't it? When we live with gratitude like that, when we realize, oh my, my goodness, I, 
I have these things that I didn't ever earn. Then the response is not to feel guilty that you have it, but it's to want to open the gate for someone else. It's to want to say, oh gosh, I, I don't deserve, I didn't do anything to be here to get this. How about you come in too? Grace and peace. So grace comes first. And grace looks like a lot of things, including our reconnection with God, a gift that we don't earn, a gift that doesn't come because we're good people or bad people, but because God is good, right? All the time. So grace is where it starts. This reconnection with God is where it starts. But that, that reconnection isn't complete until the vertical is met by the horizontal the reconnection with one another. And that's where the second half of Ephesians comes in. That's where the emphasis now is on peace. We began with grace in the first part of Ephesians 2, and now we're going on to peace. So let's read now Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and following. And I want you to listen for the images of disconnection and reconnection that are even embedded in these words. Let's read. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, or non-Jews, by birth, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. If you were a non-Jew, you couldn't get beyond that gate. The gate was closed. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one by destroying the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. He is our peace. And I hope that you can see that this peace that Paul is talking about is this wide, expansive, multifaceted idea. Of course, another word for peace is shalom. And we've talked about this, I know, to death, but I just want to unpack it here for a moment. This peace, sometimes we think about peace as something that relates to us as individuals, like inner peace. Like maybe what you're seeking after when you go to that really awesome yoga class. 
peace, this, this thing that I achieve, that's for me, that I hold on to, that it's measured by how I feel in here. Inner tranquility. Or, or maybe it's not yoga peace, but maybe it's like salvation peace. Like I'm forgiven, I have peace with God. It's this individual thing. And that peace that we have with God, reconciled as each of us are to God by the cross, that peace we're talking about in this passage is, is bigger than that, right? It, it starts with something, with an experience individually, but also extends far greater than just me. And, and peace is also way bigger than just the absence of conflict. It's way bigger than the lack of there being any war anywhere. The peace that we're talking about here is nothing less than the reconnection the restoration, the utter reconciliation of all things on heaven and on earth. This kind of peace is not achievable achievable by any of us, friends. That kind of peace is only achievable by God. And that peace was attained, praise God, by Christ on the cross. That's the foundation of our peace. God's mission, God's purpose For the world, this thread that begins at the beginning of Scripture and goes right to the end, God seeking a people for himself, God seeking reconnection, reconciliation. This now and not yet reality. It's here, we have a taste of it, and it will be finished one day. We're not all the way there yet. To say that he is our peace relates to an inner reality, he is my peace, but he is our peace as the people of God. And for for Jesus to be our peace meant that he had to both destroy something and he also had to create something. What did Jesus destroy by his death on the cross and his resurrection? He destroyed the enmity between us and God. He He destroyed the power of sin in our lives. He destroyed the hostility between cultures. He destroyed all those human barriers that we tend to put it up, that we tend to put up between ourselves and others through bias, through prejudice, through judgmentalism. All those divisions that we imagine, class divisions, socioeconomic categories, racial divisions, all those things Jesus destroys. Because we are all receivers of the grace. We all get the gift. And by that very truth, all those barriers are destroyed, or or should be, ought to be. One day, completely will be. So Jesus destroys those barriers. What does he create? He creates a new humanity. This is a sign of God's reign breaking in, that everyone is seen. No invisible people exist in God's kingdom. All are seen all have a place, all get to come in through the gate. No one is excluded. We all celebrate together the gift that we all get, Christ. All this is the work of Christ. And sometimes we think peace is something that we have to achieve. Maybe we think that our peace with God has to be achieved somehow by 
by praying more, by reading our Bible more, and those are good things to do, but, but the peace that comes from Christ is a gift. And maybe we think that unity is attained by being nice people to one another and by shaking hands and by not really engaging with our differences. But we don't have to worry about their not, we don't have to try to achieve that unity or that peace through human effort. We can be the people of God together simply by receiving the peace of Christ that Jesus extends to us. So what does this all really mean? I can see that some of you may have already started to have your eyes glaze over. What difference does this really mean? What does being reconnected in this way look like for us? Let me offer a few ideas for you. We don't have to agree on everything here in this church. In fact, I I know for a fact that we don't. To be a people of peace, to be reconnected or connected by God means we don't have to be worried about engaging with one another around those differences. Some of you know that I went to Regent College some time ago, and probably the most important lesson I learned there was not from one particular class, but from a particular debate that I watched. It was one of those lunchtime debates. It involved some of the big guns that used to be at Regent, some of them still are, I think, J.I. Packer, Bruce Waltke, Gordon Fee, and Eugene Peterson. Four big theological guns, right? They were gathering to debate women in ministry. Dum, dum, dum. I was going and sure that at the end of 45 minutes, I would know the answer to my burning question. I went with a notepad and my Bible. I had to sit on the floor because every seat was taken, and we were there ready to see these four guys duke it out. And I was astonished because what I saw, first of all, were four godly men who really disagreed with one another, who were looking at the Bible and and referring to the Bible as their source for truth, but they all saw it slightly differently. That was a shocker. But more importantly than their disagreement was the grace and the love with which they engaged one another. They, They didn't mince words, They didn't shy away from their differences, but what they modeled for me was peace. Peace not because, oh yes, we all agree, we're all buddies, Jesus loves us, and we all think the same thing about this controversial issue. No, they they disagreed with one another quite vehemently at times, but there was a grace and a respect and a warm hospitality for one another that modeled something to me of God's people. And so that is possible here for us too on any number of topics that that we might want to discuss. And so it's my hope that we're going to embody some of that peace as we gather for this um, Tuesday evening series we're calling Reconcilable Differences. You'll see a little bit of 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 a promo about that in your newsletter. The first one is October 1st and we'll continue alternate Tuesdays for October, November. That's what those evenings are going to be about. We're not going to be gathering 
to convince a whole bunch of people or, or to state the party line on any number of these issues, but we are going to gather to be listening and to be learning from one another. And we are not going to be seeking agreement in order to attain the peace that Christ has already established for us. Our peace, friends, goes deeper than an agreement. So being reconnected means us trusting in the grace of God for one another. Us being reconnected means perhaps reaching across differences with one another in conversation. Reaching across difference in terms of, oh, I don't know that person, so the next time we have coffee time, I'm going to just find out who that person is and learn a little bit more about their story. We're also offering something called formation groups, which is a way of us enabling some of you who really want to be intentional in connecting with God in a more kind of intimate setting. Formation groups are beginning in October, so please email me if you'd like to hear more information about that. I think that is also in the newsletter. Those are some ways that reconnecting could look like. The final image I want to, uh, question I want to leave you with, what walls are you aware of in your community, in your world, that stand in contradiction to the kind of grace and peace of Christ we're, we're talking about today? I don't know what those might be for you. What are the walls and maybe we need prayer for ourselves just that God would open our eyes up to the walls that we subconsciously put up between ourselves and others. Or the walls that we're aware of that we don't really want to transgress. Who are the invisible people, the invisible others that we put behind walls that perhaps Jesus would want us to re-engage with? What would it look like for us to stop being gatekeepers but to open up the gate and to invite others in to walk with us? If we seek peace for one another, if we accept the grace that God extends to us with every breath that we breathe, and if we seek to extend that to others, and if we seek peace, I wonder what kind of worlds would open up for us. I wonder what kind of people we might be. I wonder what kind of conversations we'd be a part of that would lead to something deeper and stronger. Worship team, I'd like to invite you to come up as I, as I pray for us now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our peace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that this is all founded on you, your activity, God, your action in Christ. Make us a people of your peace, we pray. Show us what it means to extend grace and peace to others in revolutionary and radical ways. 
Let it begin with our neighbors. Let it begin with one another here in this building, but let it not stop here. For the sake of your name, for the sake of your people, we pray these things in your name. And Cap Church said, Amen. Amen.